really wanna give it to me. You better give it to me. You got to give it to me. Give it brown sugar. Lick your lips to it. Work your hips to it. A steady rocking like this. Who's nodding their heads remembering the soundtrack that birthed that jam? In the mid to late 90s and the early 2000s, there was a resurgence of black love and music. A resurgence of black love on film. I'm the blues in your left eye. I'm trying to become a folk. What blossomed from this marriage of black love and music and film bore witness to the development of open mics and cafes around the country. In large metropolitan cities like Philadelphia, Chicago, Atlanta, and New York, the small cafe became the stage for many creatives. At the time, the genre term neo-soul got its name from emerging artists like Erica Badu, D'Angelo, Maxwell, and Jill Scott, just to name a few, who performed much of their earlier works as poems. At the start of the millennium, artists like Music Soul Child, Raheem Devon, and Lettucey took cues from the early part of the neo-soul movement and continued to drive their message of love and acceptance. Singers, poets, musicians, and fine artists hit the small cafe circuit and got discovered to entertain thousands, even millions of Love Jones-inspired fans. Everybody wanted some of that brown sugar vibe. Brown sugar, babe, I guess high up your love, I don't know how to be. Terrence P. Elmore, author of his first published book, Love Letters, a collection of poems, blogger and fellow podcaster, has created a smooth vibe on his podcast called The Brown Sugar Cafe. His inspiration to have a resurgence of black love can be heard and felt through his poetry and intimate talks in the cafe and on his blogs. Come into the Interludes Cafe as we speak with Terrence about his inspiration behind his poetry and the podcast. I'm Val The Voice Johnson. And this is Interludes. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by Interludes Extra Presents Find Your Voice, a podcasting course for beginners. Learn more about the upcoming course and membership within our Interludes community on our website today. And now... All the way live from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Val The Voice Johnson. Welcome to another edition of Interludes. I am your host, Val The Voice Johnson. I'm always excited to interview other people that are in the same podcasting space as me. He literally just finished up his first season with the Brown Sugar Cafe. He is a writer and poet and blogger uh, based out of Charleston, South Carolina. Is that correct, Terrence? Yes, Yes, that's correct. And we uh, are creatives that share a space in the the mornings uh, and and we just got to know each other. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Terrence P. Elmore, how are you today? 
Doing great, Val. Thank you for having me. How are you? I I am extremely excited and very happy. Uh, just to uh, let you know that I know you were in the area where when Hurricane Ian kind of did its thing. Yeah. How are you and your family? We're all safe, thank God. Um, no injuries or casualties or anything like that. So thankfully, yes, we're yeah. okay. So when I think of brown sugar and I think when I saw your initial profile on Clubhouse, because that's how we connected, I thought immediately of the movie Brown Sugar. First, I thought about uh, D'Angelo's Brown Sugar, because that was one of my favorite songs back in the day. And then I thought about the movie Brown Sugar with um, uh, Sanai Lathan and uh, Tay Diggs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why did you name your podcast that and what what was the inspiration for starting it? Well, the podcast started from my blog uh -huh. and um, I created the blog so I can share my poetry and try to, um, you know, get my message of love out. And I wanted something that sounded kind of cool, like a cool place to hang out. So I was like, what about like a cafe? And, you know, when I think brown sugar, I think of something smooth. So I was like, well, why not call, you know, my blog page, you know, the brown sugar cafe. And then over time, it developed into a podcast because I went from taking my writings and my poetry to get my message across to actually putting a voice um, with my message of spreading, you know, love and positivity. So that's where that came from. Yeah. And so that's a great premise to start. And I'm assuming your family was very supportive of this of this startup because you've you've written about two books, right? What, what's the name of your books? Yes, two books. My first book is um, Love Letters, a Collection of Poems. And my second book is The Essence of Love. I'm currently working on my third book. Um, that one will be titled Pain is Not Our Only Paintbrush. Mm -hmm. And it's it's been a very interesting process being the author and our podcast host. Yeah, because the great thing is you can premiere your stuff on your own podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. When people do a lot of things motivationally, like they'll they'll put out these cute quotes and stuff like that. And I'm trying to figure out what what inspired what inspires you to talk about love in especially in the vein of poetry and also now translating into your podcast well at the time i when i published my first book and you know started my blog i noticed there was like a, a lot of conversation i was having and the conversations that i was hearing where people were talking about love and how love was painful and hurtful and all these negative things and whenever i engaged in those conversations i always asked for examples and in each example they always named the person you've been in a relationship or whatever and you've been hurt it's the person who hurt you not love i look at love like a vehicle and say you're in a car accident and, and somebody hits you you don't say that the car hit you right it's the person driving the car the person operating the car and i look at it as the people who were driving you know that relationship you know with love or misrepresenting love you know, they were the ones who caused the pain, not love itself. So we have to find a way to disassociate pain from individuals with being a representation of love. And so that's why I started writing love poems and sharing them, 
because I wanted to do my part to show people that love is beautiful. It's not all this negative stuff that everybody talks about. It's not hurtful. It's not pain and all of that. Yeah. And do you think that people get their views about love from like, say, media, social media, movies, the like? And Terrence has frozen again. And still now, there's this narrative about love. And we have these um, these memes okay. that go around. Um, <laughs> they say certain things. And when people are hurting, they mm -hmm. always look for um, validation from what they're feeling. So they can take yeah. memes and stuff like that and twist it and make it fit their situation. And mm -hmm. so I think social media plays a big, big part in that. Yeah, I, it it's troubling to me that when people are so engrossed in, you know, trying to make their lives match what has been projected in front of them, either on social media or on television or IG, and if they're dating someone or if they're married, they'll, you know, kind of have that fuss of, well, well, how come I don't have what this person has? Like that comparison. Right. And does that break down the foundation of a good uh, friendship or relationship? What do you think? I think so, because it's, <laughs> and then something else I, I've been noticing is there's been a lot of instruction telling people to unfollow certain accounts um, if they don't resonate with them or, you know, this big unfollow thing. But another thing that people do as well is, you know, like I said earlier, they try to find stuff to validate how they're feeling. But some people use it as conflict avoidance. Like there are things that could be positive that they're seeing, but they don't want to hear it or someone's disagreeing with them. So they just go ahead and unfollow. And I think that's the other side of that as well. It's like they see stuff and like mm -hmm. even with the comparison, like pictures and photo, you know, pictures and, and videos of people, they look happy. And it's people that I know personally who look happy on social media, but I know they're going through some serious stuff. Right. You can't compare yourself to other people because you don't know the other side of what's going on. Right. Yeah. And that's a lesson that I've learned and, and, and unfollowing. It almost sounds in the same lane as cancel culture yeah yeah mm -hmm. that yeah you know because that whole thing i understand why it started and where it came from you know us protecting our peace and making sure that we mentally spiritually you know well but where do we draw the line at understanding like unfollowing and you know dismissing certain people how that's hindering us because we're not going to grow if we just hang around people who think the same things. If we only talk to people who think the same things, we're limiting our growth. Yeah. And that's, and that's not, I don't, I don't, I don't want to limit my growth. My thing is if I'm the smartest person in the room, then I need to change rooms or change the circle and, and just kind of, you know, expand in that regard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I need to just... Right. And we need people to disagree with us as well. That's oh, the other man. thing. Some people don't like for people to disagree with them. They want everybody to agree with what they're saying and what they're doing. But 
let's say you're doing the wrong thing who's going to check you and bring you back to yourself like hey what you're doing is wrong um you know it doesn't have to be in in, in public but it can be in private like you know you kind of did the misstep there and i know that's not you know that's not who you are that doesn't represent who you are you're misrepresenting yourself so we need to have a conversation like that's another part of that whole social media world and trying to put on as we like to call it they just want to put on make people think there's something that they're not right right how do you feel in the space of of podcasting with the brown sugar cafe how do you feel that you have changed a little bit of the narrative about love about relationships and you know this thing that we call um, unfollow or cancel culture <laughs> um <laughs> from the feedback that i've been getting uh, a lot of people have told me that they never saw things that way and i've opened some understanding you know because it's easy for us to only look at our own op opinions about things and sometimes it's difficult for us to look at how other people see stuff because we all want to be right we all want to be validated i mean that's natural but it's a way to do that and respect other people and understand their point of view because we, we all don't think the same and mm -hmm. so the feedback i've been getting has been you know i didn't think about it like that like wow i didn't see it like that so it's it's opening understanding and it's starting more conversations so yeah wow i guys if you haven't seen he has a great blog and there's always pictures with very few words because i when i was writing poetry back in the day i used to think oh it has to be some type of certain number of lines and prose right. and this and i'm learning from other people that that do poetry on a on a regular basis it's however long or however short but long as you have something very meaningful to say recently i saw on your page perseverance isn't easy but neither is living living the regret of quitting that's a very profound statement why did you write that and and what inspired that thought about quitting as well as regret that's a good question um was i think was that the haiku i think that was the haiku that i wrote <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly <laughs> um what mindset was i in when i um because I'm often thinking about things and I'm off, often seeing different posts and I'm also, I mean, just different things make me think. And so I wanted to put something out there, which is why also I try to do shorter poems to make it more digestible, make it easier so people won't, you know, run away from it. I don't want to put all these big words in there and stuff where people have to get a thesaurus or a dictionary to understand what I'm talking about. You know, because I think you kind of you miss the point when you do that, mm -hmm. you know, but with that one, I wanted to get a message across that it's easy to to quit. It's easy to, quote unquote, give up. But how are you going to feel later on when time has passed and you realize, you know, wow, I was this close to making it happen. I was this close to getting it done. And I just stopped and stepped away. So I wanted to get that idea like you don't want to live with regrets. You don't want to live with I could have done this or I could have done that and I just stopped. So I want to get that message across like, you know, you may think it's the easiest thing right now to do is to, to quit or to give up. But then later you're going to have that regret, that regret. And it's going to be harder mm -hmm. 
than the giving up. And you're going to sit there and look at yourself like, well, why did I do that? So I want to push that message across. Yeah, because I think when I started this podcast, I had wanted to be in the space of being a DJ. And my mom talked me out of it. She says, I don't see women as DJs. That seems very dudish. You know, that seems like something what that what men would do. And I'm like, oh, but I like talking. And so I was thinking, what is the modern day version of being a DJ or a broadcaster? Podcasting. <laughs> uh, Deshaun is your a lovely wife and she interviewed you on uh, your very your last episode, which is kind of the season finale. I, I got a I got a vibe that you are both creatives. Um how long have you guys been married and what has made the marriage work? We have been married four years. We just celebrated our four year anniversary last month. Yay. And um, thank you. Um, <laughs> having open and honest communication, supporting each other, um, getting things out. Like you can't be upset with somebody. And you might not be able to have a conversation with them right then, but at some point you need to talk about what's going on because that stuff builds and builds and it turns into something small blowing up because you didn't talk about the first problem. So we, we, we talk to each other, we support each other. Um, we find out each other's needs and we're each other's best friends. Um, before we started dating, we were friends. And so she's still my best friend. That friendship part of our relationship before we even had a relationship is is it, I think that's really important when you're you're dating somebody to have an actual friendship with them, because as a friend before anything else, you don't want to see that person hurt. You don't want to let that person down and you want to help. And, you know, if you can have that person be the best person that they can be, you want to have somebody that can be in your corner. You want to be in their corner. So it, for, for us, it was easy for us because we were friends before we were anything else. Sydney, I have loved you from the first time I laid eyes on you. And I love you still. You're my heir. So, I don't want to be your friend no more. Yeah, and that's um, that's that's real solid advice, especially for for us people out here still uh, out here in these single streets. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Now you wrapped up the first season. When will what what can we expect? for the second season in their last interview you said oh i want to do more interviews you interviewed your mom uh, you've interviewed other people that are kind of experts in relationships which is great what what would be on tap for the brown sugar cafe for the second season what you got um yeah yeah cause i realized the people that i interviewed so far have been family i had uh lavaris frazier on that's my cousin that's your cousin um, okay yeah so see i want to <laughs> step out to uh other people um, uh, I would like to have you on when I get into having guests. I want to spotlight other podcasters, other creatives. I want to uh, have some uh, authors on, some of my poet friends on, um, different things like that. I want it to be a platform where everybody can get some exposure and 
I could have different people telling different stories that can help somebody. I mean, my information is good, I think, I think, but it would be better if people could hear these things from other people. Right. Exactly. And their experiences as well, because right. a cafe is, is, is kind of encompassing of and I, I can smell the coffee. I can smell the tea. <laughs> I can sit down with a nice scone or, you know, a piece of pound cake, pound cake. Yeah. So I can I can feel the the love and, and feeling a little bit in, in, in engrossed or whatever. And you said you're working on a book. Uh, what's the name of this book? If if uh, if you wouldn't mind telling the folks. Uh, it's called Pain is Not Our Only Paintbrush. And the idea behind that is I wanted to show stories as a, a black man, a black person that are positive and not painful. Yeah, because. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good gracious. I I think when 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 uh, when I hear my friends, especially my men friends that are black and they say, you know, Val, we hurt, too. But we've but men have been taught to hide those emotions. That's is, true. And is that wise or has that been the culture? That's been the culture pretty much. I can remember growing up just being told, you know, when you fall, you, you get up and, you know, you know, walk it off. Right. Mm nobody's addressing to see if maybe you sprained something broke something you just get up and walk it off and i think that translates into adulthood like with regular stuff you you feel pain or hurt and you have this mentality to just walk it off like it's sports or something without actually addressing what's going on and then it, it's I, I don't know what it is it's just like because i can remember like at a point I stopped liking the smile in my pictures, oh, you know, no. just to have like that, that, you know, that serious, that hard face or whatever. And then when I was dating my wife, um, I sent her a picture and she was like, uh -uh, try that again. She was like, don't send me a picture without you smiling. And I, I realized at that point, I started looking back at some of my old pictures and I was like, wow, you would think I was the upset person maybe, or even unhappy. But that was just a thing that we started doing with taking pictures, having a serious face. And so now after I noticed that and start looking back at old pictures, I, I make sure to smile any any chance I get because I'm a happy person. I'm always laughing, joking and clowning around. But if somebody didn't know me and saw those pictures, it was like, oh, man, he, he must have been having a, a horrible day. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what was attractive about your cover for the podcast is that you were looking introspective. You had a pen and paper and you were looking down and you're and you're writing. So I was thinking, OK, so he's serious about his craft of poetry yes, and yes. he wants people to come in and into the cafe and feel, you know, comfortable enough to share. Because I think about one of my favorite films shot here in Chicago, Love Jones, and oh, just kind yeah. of that whole. Yeah, just kind of that whole scene of, you know, say. Can I be your slave? You know, that type of thing. And I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> if people wanted to learn more about the Brown Sugar Cafe, your your books that you've currently published, where would they go? Um, they can go to my website, thebrownsugarcafe.blog. I have some uh, books available for purchase, autographed books. Um, I would prefer everyone get them from there, but if you must, they are on Amazon as well. Um, just like, you know, everyone else's, but 
that's a whole nother conversation but um yeah my website would be the best place i have all my links there um it's very easy to go through i post a poem every wednesday so those are there as well so you could also subscribe to the uh, to the blog if you want but yeah all of my information is there wow well i i'll be seeing you um virtually in clubhouse and the in these clubhouse streets uh, like we usually do yes. on monday through friday but i it's been really great getting to know you and when you're back in your second season i i, I look forward to being a guest and you can thank come you. on back you can come yes. on back yes. when you finish your book thank you i appreciate that and real quick before we go i just want to say i i just listened to your homecoming episode ah. and and yeah that 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 was a really good episode because i grew up watching a different world and um i was elementary school maybe but yeah. that was i didn't it, it bothered me when I found out that Hillman wasn't real. So, <laughs> yeah. It's so a different world <laughs> was part of the reason why I had to go to an HBCU, that experience watching that. Mm -hmm. And there's a TV show now called uh, uh, Homecoming, All-American Homecoming. Yes, I love that and, show. Yeah, yeah. so I, it's really refreshing to see that again, seeing HBCUs get a spotlight. But I, I just wanted to comment on that to let you know, like, I was in elementary school and I still, that made a huge, huge impression on me to go to college, seeing a different world. And even seeing summer school days, I wasn't really old enough to be watching it, but that made an influence <laughs> as well. <laughs> that movie uh, encouraged me never to pledge. Right. I just, I, <laughs> It's like I will never, ever, ever, ever pledge. I will just watch and cheer them on from the sidelines. So I'm like the pledging. They were still hazing back in my day. Yeah, I think they slowed yeah, up yeah. from doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Terrence P. Elmore, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I'm Dal The Voice Johnson, and this is Interludes. To check out more of our interview with Terrence P. Elmore of Brown Sugar Cafe Podcasts, please visit our Interludes YouTube channel. Have you seen it? It's the weekly chat with EP Michael Womble, Coach Tony Thompson, and host Val The Voice Johnson. Interludes Extra presents Talk on Tuesdays. Join us and other special guests as we break down the latest topics surrounding music, movies, and sports every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, live in our chat on our Interludes YouTube channel, Facebook group, and now on Pod TV on Roku. Interludes. Original concept by Valerie Johnson. Written by Michael Womble. Produced by Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson. Original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by Interludes Extra presents Find Your Voice, a podcasting course for beginners, launching this month on October 20th. To sign up for the course and join our Interludes community of podcasters, please visit the website linktr.ee forward slash purelightmedia. To subscribe to our YouTube channel or join our Interludes Facebook group, visit the website linktr.ee forward slash purelightmedia.com.